Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, paving the way to fantasy excellence, winning some trophies, whatever your prizes are. We're going to get all those football-related fantasies. We're going to get them all coming true. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones, back probably like my first time in three weeks or a month doing this. I'm with my host, uh, my co-host, the Wolf of Roto Street himself, as always. Um, I'm playing Hurt Wolf. And it's not just the wolf I'm with today. It's the professor. So, uh, <laughs> we're doing a biggest risers and fallers uh, episode from the big board. Obviously, that's at RotorStreetJournal.com. The wolf slaving away, as he always does, to give you the best, most up-to-date stuff. So we're going to be going position by position, learning about the risers and the fallers. Um, the wolf recording from a new location. The uh, you know We can't reveal where that location is for security wow. reasons, obviously. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to talk about the rookies going up and down the board, which the wolf's going to be educating me on. I, I just don't know that much about him. I've been out of the loop for a while. So I'm looking forward to this. Wolf, that's a long preamble, but how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. This is one of my favorite shows because it covers so, so much where the rankings have that big update. It's been about, like you said, two and a half months where we really haven't had all that much action. Then bam. All these rookies come in and shake up the entire big board. So we get to talk about all those veterans that have risen and fall, as you mentioned, add in those rookies. If you want more in-depth on the rookies, I did do a show last week. Check that one out first if you want to really dive in. I'm going to talk about where these rookies go and why really quickly. But if you want a really good breakdown of their skill set, of their player fits, all that stuff, that would be last week. So check that show out. That would be last have. week. You can see it on YouTube. It is not up in pod yet. I will probably put that up tonight. So if yeah, it'll be up. There, yeah, it'll, it'll be, be up right around when the show is on. Exactly. So we'll we'll dive right in. But man, I'm doing good. I got five more weeks till summer break. Like we are just cruising at this point. Got poker night tonight. Celtics playoffs. Life um, is good. Truth. Life is good. Are they going to pull it out tonight or what? They are doing some major league underachieving right now. I know. I mean, I feel, I feel like they probably should have won this series in five, to be yeah. honest. And now they're fighting against elimination. So we'll see what happens, man. I'm not I'm not enjoying that too much. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to get into this? Let's dive right in. Like you said, we're going to go position by position. You can find these actual rankings on RotoStreetJournal.com. You want to actually see the big boards. But we're going to talk about all the players that have the biggest movement from these rookies and where they've landed. All right, we're going to start at quarterback, obviously. Um, there, there's not as many of these, although these are obviously seriously impactful guys from a fantasy sense. Potentially, Geno Smith leading your up list. He is ranked uh, on your big board 10th amongst quarterbacks right now. What can you tell us? Yeah, Rose Big, about six spots going up the big board, and for a lot of good reasons. Now, this guy, Geno Smith, last year already was quarterback five, the number one deep-rated passer by Pro Football Focus. I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. Geno Smith the number one ranked deep passer in the league last year. Did, Crazy. Did that coming. No. 14 touchdowns to only two interceptions. He just looked revitalized. And then following the draft, they add the most dominant slot weapon to come out in the last five years. Jackson Smith, Najibu. He is unbelievable JSN. And this is going to be huge for Geno Smith because you already, how do you defend Lockett and DK Metcalf? And then you add this guy that can just dominate the middle of the field. I mean, people are comparing him to a potential coop or cup level domination out of the slot. So you put that into the mix for a guy that already was top five in Geno Smith. 10th almost feels a little too low right now, just because he might be a one hit wonder, a little bit of risk to that. But overall, I absolutely love Geno Smith coming into 2022 now, 2023. <laughs> 
again, I know you said this, so I'm not, this is not a hot take, but who in the world would have thought a couple years ago we'd be talking about him as a viable option in 2023? Not even a viable option. A guy that no, we're, targeting. Right. We're, legit, we're legitimately legit. targeting. Yeah, crazy. Absolutely nuts. Geno Smith. But I, I, I'm I'm pulling for him. I like the guy. I've, I've heard he's a great guy. Anyway. Yeah. And he's going right now an underdog too. We're going to keep referencing these underdog drafts. Cause that's really like nobody's drafting fantasy football right now, unless you're an absolute sicko and you're playing on underdog where you can put 25 bucks in and draft for a shot at Nat, the prize pool this year. We haven't done a draft yet this year, $3 million for first place for a 25 bucks shot. It's well worth it. Check it out. The link is in the description. You click it, you can get up to a hundred dollar match. Use code RSJ. But if you're going to actually draft, maybe you're just kind of sick, like David Campanelli. I'm sure you're out there watching this. Maybe you are just sick and you want some fantasy content in your life. Awesome, enjoy it. But those of you that actually want to take some action with this advice, the markets are still really soft on a lot of these movers and risers, fallers in the best ball market. Like Geno Smith going quarterback 16, he should not be going fast the quarterback 10 right now. So go check out those underdog markets, get your shot at $3 million for just 25 bucks to play. They have the $5 puppy too. If you don't want to do 25 right off the bat, totally get it. Check it out though. Use code RSJ, get a hundred dollar deposit match. That $3 million doesn't tempt you in the slightest. I'm sure. No. Um, Justin Herbert, this guy is at the top of tier three on the Wolves big board. And he is currently ranked number six. You've got him as a guy moving up and I get that, but I, I do want to just, Remind you, I, I think you had him three at the start of last season. Two, actually, yeah. So oh, I yeah, was, yeah, yeah, it was two. I remember I told you you were crazy. We talked it out, and by the end of the conversation, I didn't think you were crazy anymore. Yeah. So know, although but, he has risen on the board, I mean, it, it's a step down from where we thought he was going to be last year at this time. Absolutely, but I do believe in 2023, this will be the year Justin Herbert hits that potential number two overall quarterback because his setup is looking phenomenal. First, you just mix in Kellen Moore before the draft even happens. This is huge. He had Dak going absolutely bananas in fantasy for three seasons. They ranked first, first, and 11th in total yards, the Cowboys did. Sixth, first, fourth in total points. Second, second, and 14th in passing yards. Fifth, third, ninth in passing touchdowns for the three seasons that Kellen Moore and Dak played together. There was one year Dak was hurt in his four-year stint. That was too good for Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy said, we're scoring too much. We're scoring too often. We're throwing too often. We need to run the ball and be get our defense off the field more. So he fired Kellen Moore for being too good at his job of scoring sure. points. Awesome that he lands on his feet with the Chargers with an even better quarterback in Justin Herbert and now an even better weapons cabinet when they draft Quentin Johnson, maybe the highest upside receiver in this entire class. It's a class of pipsqueaks, and he's the big guy. 6'3", big, long speed can jump, get that jump ball, win in every single layer. The coach, uh, Brent Staley, saying Quentin Johnson was the best player on the field in games against Georgia, Michigan, and Kansas State when we scouted him. And that's a lot of first-round talent amongst those teams for that high praise. They go out and get him despite already having Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, kind of a luxury pick. But now you're surrounding Justin Herbert, one of the best arms, maybe the best arm in the league, with three insane weapons and an offense that just is going to light up scoreboards, that's going to continue to push the ball downfield. This is absolutely perfect. I love the weapons. I love the play caller. I think Justin Herbert, yes, we were really high on him last year. I think his ceiling is significantly higher, and this is where we actually see him hit it in 2023. You still clearly believe in the talent. And I, absolutely. Don't blame you for that. We've seen, we've seen enough uh, where I'm a believer, too. Lamar Jackson, a guy that, um, you know, some people criticized the way he handled this and then he acted at his own. I got in an argument with a guy like maybe a month ago about like 
how stupid Lamar was for being his own agent. And I was like, I don't think he is. I think he's going to get the money anyway, and then he's going to keep whatever percent he would have given to the agent. And at least on that part, I was proven correct. Um, his stock goes up a little bit. You got him at the bottom of tier two uh, with only Justin Fields in that tier. You got him as your five guy overall. Yeah, I'm in love with Lamar Jackson, and it's been a while since I've said those words, but I am really, really excited about his setup, whereas last year said he might have been the most overrated quarterback yep. in fantasy. This year, I'm ready to dive right back in and think he can approach those 2018 MVP levels. First, Todd Munkin coming over. He has a record of just lighting it up in terms of pass attempts, 16th, 3rd, 4th, and 19th in pass attempts across his four NFL stints. If you remember those years where Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston with the Bucks were like alternating for three touchdown games and just going bananas, that was Munkin calling the plays. Now, I know this is a different quarterback and different weapons around him, but we know, at least compared to Greg Roman, 32nd, 32nd, 9th, and 28th in pass attempts the last four years. We know they're going to be opening it up a little bit here for Lamar, which opens up more scrambling and broken play opportunities for more rushing attempts that are unscripted. You love to see that. Then they go and add Zay Flowers in the draft, a great move-around, do-it-all weapon out of BC. They sign Odell Beckham, low-risk signing. Maybe he reaches OBJ levels, maybe not, but he's still already better than Rashad Bateman, who was the number one receiver coming into the year. Sure. You still have Bateman there, so you got a nice cast of 1A, 1B, 1C, three receivers you can move all over the place. Oh, and then Mark Andrews there. J.K. Dobbins getting healthy. Just this offense in general. I think Todd Munkin, a great play caller. You're giving him plenty of uh, toys to play with in this sandbox, too. With Lamar being the center of that, I think he can absolutely regain those huge MVP levels with the right play callers and a better weapons cabinet. All right. Uh, tough to argue with that. Another guy that you know we would have thought was irrelevant not too long ago, Daniel Jones. Uh, he is actually at the top of tier four, still very viable. Like you got him in that Geno Smith range, even a tiny bit above Geno. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like that's a legit fantasy starter, according to you and according to pretty much everybody. Um, you obviously really like Daniel Jones this year. Are you going to own any Jones stock this season? Absolutely. Um, him and Geno Smith are the two guys. I often find myself going back to back Daniel Jones, one round, round eight, Round nine going Geno Smith, and I feel great about my quarterbacks if I've done that. Let's talk about Daniel Jones. It was quarterback 10 last year thrown to legitimate dog mess. I mean, who was his yeah. number one receiver? Darius Slayton. You know, yeah. Wandell Robinson got hurt. Richie James at some points was the number one. Isaiah Hodgins, the you know outcast from the Buffalo Bills, didn't even make their team, became a number one viable weapon for him. And he was still playing really well. Like I said, top 10 quarterback last year. And it was even more impressive when you consider he had a lot of growing pains. And that makes sense with a new play caller, new quarterback coordinator and Daniel Jones it took a little while from the mesh he had just one top 12 week in weeks one through six from week seven on boom 30 point day in week seven and he just went off running he had the only quarterbacks to outscore him from week seven on to outscore Daniel Jones Jalen Hurts Pat Mahomes Justin Fields Joe Burrow Josh Allen I mean that is a ridiculous list when you're the next man up yeah. on that very good company to have and Reminder, he was thrown to dog mess. And that's where the upgrade comes this offseason. One, they trade for Darren Waller. Great third-round pick, if you ask me. Two, they draft Jalen Hyatt. You have Dane Brugler's third wide receiver. I think they got an absolute steal in the speedster that can move all over the place, but really could dominate out of the slot. You think of the fact that 60% of his last games were top 12. Seven of his last 10 games were above 20 fantasy points. Three of those last 10 games went above 30. He already was peaking, already hitting a nice ceiling. And then you mix in these new weapons. I don't think we've seen the ceiling yet on Daniel Jones and this Brian Dayball marriage. I cannot wait to see what they do. He is a screaming bargain right now. 
they were a sexy pick even going into the playoffs, which is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, until they ran into the Eagles, they seemed like they had nothing left. You know, there were, people yeah. were like raising an eyebrow saying Giants to the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, Kyler Murray, you got to sell me a little bit on this one because I did not particularly care for what I saw out of this guy last year. Uh, you got him at 13 on your board, but that is quite a bit higher than the ECR. Um, why the why the sudden Kyler Murray love? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to start falling back in love. I'm yeah, with you, yeah. Matt. Just as a player, like he annoys me. He seems kind of like right. a little he bitch. Really and he's always cussing out his teammates and his coaches. And I don't love the guy, but remember, that's a big skill of fantasy and a tough skill separating the player and your like for them as a human being and the way they play and how many fantasy points they're actually racking up. And even if you hate Kyler Murray, the man can rack up fantasy points as fast as anybody. Quarterback six, quarterback five, and quarterback eight across his last three seasons in points per game. And now he's going to have, yeah, it's nuts. And even last year, he, he says quarterback eight per game, but that was really hurt because he had one game against the Patriots. He got hurt the first play of the game, one point, and then he was out. Other than that, he actually had – so he had ten games and – nine of them were, or no, eight of the 10 were quarterback one numbers. And all, all right. of those games were above 20 points. So 80% of the time he was a top 12 quarterback last year when he started. So even though he was annoying, even though it was a, seemed like a down year for Kyler, he still was cruising fantasy wise for you. Now they draft Paris Johnson, the top offensive tackle in the draft, the guy that Kyler Murray said he wanted DJ Humphreys, who only played nine games last year, will be back as well. So they got two anchors along the line that was already somewhat ascending here. You love to see that. There was a big concern that Hopkins might get traded away, but he did not get moved. So you still have your wide receiver one alpha. And it's a bit of a mystery. Who is this Drew Metzing offensive coordinator going to be? We don't really know, but Gannon, the new head coach, he really emphasized. He came from the Eagles and he said, we're going to really make sure we emphasize what Philly did well. That's maximizing our quarterbacks with athleticism. We know what we have in Kyler. We know we can throw it deep. We know we can run. What screams fantasy points more than throwing it deep and running at the quarterback position? You love to hear all of those words. So he wasn't as bad as you thought. And yeah, now right. you have a, a much better situation entering 2023. So I think there's a really good rebound potential. And he's going right around quarterback 20. I mean, this guy's never finished outside the top 10 quarterbacks per, in points per game when he's actually played. So I, I can go back in. I can go back in. That's a very compelling case. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're right. I mean, he seems so much worse than that to me last yeah. year, but, but you can't argue with the numbers. Um, I take a little bit of exception to this one. You got on our down list. We got Ryan Tannehill down from what? Like last? Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I think he's uh, I last I get loading up the draft Ryan Tannehill. So um, you're going to just, you're going to just shovel dirt on this guy's corpse. Uh, apparently because you just had to have a down down it's a risers fathers episode and i didn't have any quarterbacks to really go with so, some people might have been drafting Tannehill and best ball as a last round stab he's a quarterback nope. that's guaranteed his starting role right well not anymore will not levis really. comes in and he could immediately i mean it could be a day one takeover i imagine it will be a, a little bit prolonged but if they struggle and i imagine they're going to this team is kind of dog mess maybe Vrabel can make you know chicken salad out of chicken shit well we'll see but i do absolutely hate this Titans team, they have no weapons to throw to. So I didn't want Tannehill anyways, but now that you have this added risk of Will Levis potentially taking over at any point, it makes him that much less attractive. I love just calling out possibly the worst, like the lowest rated starter in the NFL right now. Who's not even going to be a starter potentially. Um, all right. You got any rookie quarterbacks you want to run through real quick? Yeah, so I have to toss those guys in the big board. That's actually the one position I just realized I did not throw in quite yet. But I do know how they're going to stack up for me in redraft. 
Number okay. one's going to be Anthony Richardson. This guy has the absolute Konami code. It's like Cam Newton, but faster. I mean, he is 250 pounds almost, and he ran a 4-4-40. Like, that would have been mind-blowing for a running back, never mind a quarterback. Truly the most athletic quarterback we've seen ever come into the league. Scattershot thrower. We'll see where he actually winds up as a passer because that is clearly more important to be able to throw as a quarterback than run. But fantasy-wise, we know the Konami code and how valuable that will be. So he's going to slide in. If I'm doing best ball right now, right around Dak Prescott's my QB 14, Jared Goss, my QB 15. I think, you know, Richardson's going to slide in right above Dak, right below Kyler Murray at 13 and fit in at quarterback 14. Then the other guys, I do think CJ Stroud, the best long-term prospect of this class, the best thrower with untapped Konami upside, but in Houston this year, gross weapons cabinet, less upside. He's going to slide in right around Trey Lance, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback 20. Same with Bryce Young, quarterback 21 as well, even even uglier setup with the Panthers. So that's where the rookies will end up sliding. And there's uh, Will Levis, maybe he takes over and he's a waiver wire pickup at some point, but you don't need to draft him uh, for any reason. So those guys are kind of court, t- tier five, tier six-ish. Some upside because the rookies, they got good arms, they can all run. Uh, but the, the biggest, the highest upside one in tier four for me is Anthony Richardson. Uh, with the Colts. Very excited with a coach that also comes over from the Eagles and knows how to maximize a mobile quarterback. Okay, cool. Um, I'll keep an eye. Actually, the quarterbacks are the one group of rookies I actually know something about. We're about to jump into running backs, which is uh, definitely by far our our biggest category. It always is. Yeah, so we're going to dig in. Yeah, always is. Also, give us a like if you haven't. Uh, Give us a love, whatever. Thumbs up would be so greatly appreciated if you're in here. Works with Give it to us. Throw us. Throw it our way. Look, we appreciate anybody tuning in at five o'clock randomly on a Wednesday or Thursday, whatever the day of the week it is. We um, got tunes. We got rushing yard. We got bulldog. We got a couple classics in the comments already. Get your questions in, folks. We are happy to answer it all. We got plenty of time till Celtics kickoffs. I know Truth might have to get out of here before we can hit the entire mailbag. But if you got some questions, let us know, guys. Get them on in there. That's why we go live. We want to talk to you. So get the questions on in. Thumbs up again does so greatly help us. Whether you're here live, whether you're catching the replay, please do consider hitting that thumbs up button for us. Like you said, though, running backs, we got a bunch of them. So Yeah, so starting off, and we got two guys. We got Christian McCaffrey. He's in a tier by himself. He's not on this list. But once we go down to the second tier, it's a big tier. And we got three guys, actually, that are in that tier right off the bat. And that's Austin Eckler, who you got at two. You've also got Nick Chubb paired with Jerome Ford at nine. That's at the very bottom of tier two. And then you got Tony Pollard right in the middle at six. So maybe hit those guys because uh, maybe as a, a one, two, three, just because you've got them all in tier two. So they're very significant guys this year. And it's going to be really hard to choose between these three because there's a lot to love about all of them, especially after the strap. We'll start with Eckler, my favorite of the bunch. One, there's all this concern. He's going to hold out. He's complaining about his contract. That's kind of a swage at this point. He's already come out and said, worst case scenario, I'm going to be playing with Los Angeles and I'm worrying about my contract next year, getting a long-term deal somewhere else. That's the worst case. I'm glad to know he's willing to at least play. There's not really a holdout risk if he's confirming that for us. Two, the team then goes and adds no insurance. So they clearly know and expect that Eckler is going to be there. No real big back to come in and steal those touchdowns. No receiving satellite that's going to eat into the receiving workload. We're likely going to have Eckler just being what Eckler is. And that's a guy that scored 38 touchdowns the last two years. 
That's the most among all skill players. The guy is an absolute monster in every facet of the game. And now he's going to be playing with Kellen Moore, who we just raved about with Justin Herbert, going to make this whole offense far more explosive. So maybe even somehow more touchdown opportunities for an elite touchdown score in Austin Eckler in every facet of the game. I love everything about him. He's falling right now to the end of round one in underdog drafts. He should be going top really? two, top three. Yeah, nobody wants him. I don't understand it. I think people are still kind of worried about a holdout. I'm not at all, especially after he's kind of confirmed he's not going to. You got to love this guy. I'm absolutely all in on Austin Eckler. Then you mentioned Nick Chubb. Hunt could still be coming back there. They continued as a team to allude to the fact that we might be bringing Hunt back in. But the fact that they've taken this long, that if he does come back, you got to imagine that it's a much reduced role compared to what we've been coming to expect for Kareem Hunt. Now, Nick Chubb without Hunt has averaged 18.3 fantasy points per game compared to 15.84. He's going to be very good either way, but he's just that much better because he averages nearly three targets per game compared to under two per game. He's a capable receiver. Chubb has always gotten it done whenever he's used in that facet. They just always used Hunt because he was that much better of a talent. But last year, Nick Chubb running back six in PPR leagues, point per reception league. So everyone's all concerned. The guy doesn't catch the ball. He can't get it done. He was the top six running back. Last year, he's been the running back 11, 9, 12 and seven across his last four years with Hunt. Maybe he could go God mode if Kareem Hunt is not back and Deshaun Watson actually does step in and create positive game scripts. Maybe you know, Nick Scott Bear had a great article talking about how much better Chubb is when they're leading than when they're playing from behind. Similar to Derrick Henry, it makes sense. You're bleeding the clock. You're bludgeoning your opponent at the end of games. If Watson does return, and that's a big F, he looked horrible last year. I'd, I had no interest in buying into Watson himself, but if he somehow did, that would only help Chubb out further with positive game scripts. So the fact that they have added nobody is big for Chubb, and then Jerome Ford will probably step into a cream hunt light role and that's not going to be overly valuable but as a last round stab and if something happens to Chubb we've seen Dearness Johnson go for you know 25 30 point days because this scheme is just that valuable the zone scheme under Kevin Stefanski is a plus so Jerome Ford an ultimate handcuff with benefits in my opinion the last guy you mentioned there Tony Pollard oh I could not be more excited to get me <laughs> Some Tony Pollard this year. He's only played three games without Ezekiel Elliott, who's an absolute warrior. I got to give Zeke credit for that. The fact that Tony Pollard's only had three games without him across the last four seasons. But how have those games gone? Unreal. 48 carries, 315 yards, and six touchdowns across three games. <laughs> 10 catches and 92 yards as well as a receiver, averaging 28.9 fantasy points per game in his three games without Ezekiel Elliott. As we all know, Zeke is now gone. There is rumblings. He could end up being back with the team. Believe it when we see it. And even if so, similar to that Hunt situation, if they take it this long to sign him, they're not overvaluing him at this point. Meanwhile, the only guy they had in the draft is five foot six Deuce Vaughn, who weighs about 150 pounds soaking wet. Maybe he, maybe he nibbles away at a little bit of receiving work, but even then, that's a big maybe. It looks for sure that Tony Paul is going to be handed the keys to this backfield and Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator. That's gross for every single player involved other than the run game. He has been great at scheming good blocking schemes. He's always fed his running backs. Four of his teams across his last 10 years ranked top three in rush attempts. Four of them also ranked top four in rushing yards. He had the number one rushing offense twice in the last 10 years. Only one year uh, has he ever been above 17th in pass attempts as well. He loves to craft around his backs. He is an ultimate efficient back in Tony Pollard, who has somehow been so crazy efficient throughout his years. And then, you know, when he gets a volume, it's not going to maintain, but it does maintain. Somehow he'll get 20 carries and still get like seven yards a pop. It's nuts. So I'm in love with Tony Pollard.
it's tough to not believe in him. And I'm yeah. pulling for him. I mean, you how, know. how do you rank those three guys, Eckler, Pollard, and Chubb? Like that's well, that's a hard. It's to impossible not to rank Eckler first. Yeah. Just given past what performance, I mean, I, I I would rank him significantly first. I think I'd probably put him in the order you got him in. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to look at the tier to see if I if any of them might leapfrog or fall under some of the other guys you got. But I think I would probably right now go Eckler, Pollard, and Chubb. Um, Eckler makes me nervous. He yeah. always makes me nervous, but you can't argue with the production. One of the guys in that tier too. So I have Eckler above them. And I don't know how much to make of this guy being a faller is Jonathan Taylor. And hear me out here. He had a bad no, no, no. I, I want to hear your take on Jonathan Taylor. But Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton, but faster. We know one thing Cam Newton can do very well, probably even if he stepped on the field today, and that's score touchdowns at the goal line. And right. that worries me, especially the Eagle system coming in. Think about how many touchdowns Jalen Hurts scored. Right. I, I know Taylor is such a ridiculous talent, but is that going to be enough that, like, maybe I do go Tony Pollard over I would, Jonathan I was going to say, I would you know? at least consider Tony it's Pollard. Gotta, it's got to be considered. In, no, and, and Pollard's going a solid 10 or so picks at least after. Um, Jonathan Taylor right now. So just something to consider some food for thought. Is he a huge follower? No, Taylor is so talented that he's ultimately going to get it done, but there's just something you got to consider with that okay. setup. All right. Tier three, you got Ramondre. Uh, he's your 10 overall guy. He's in a, a small tier below that large tier that we just went over with Brees Hall and Etienne, but you got Ramondre on top of that tier as your 10 overall running back right now. Yeah, that tier is about your, your kind of late second, very early third type guys. And Ramondre has emerged as the clear-cut number one guy in that tier, as you just said. He's averaged 12 fantasy points per game with Damian Harris in and over 15 points per game without Harris. We now know Harris is gone. He's gone to the Bills. I do like his fit there. I think he could score a lot of touchdowns with the Bills. But this is big for Stevenson. The only guy they bring in this offseason is James Robinson, who, who knows at this point what Robinson is. Back two years ago as a rookie, he was unbelievable. He seems like a Belichick guy. He's he's hard-nosed. He protects. like He does all those things Belichick likes. So it could get annoying. But to me, this is the least threatening type of guy they could have brought in. It's easily a downgrade from Damian Harris, in my opinion. And so at minimum, we know Ramondre is definitely going to keep that receiving work that has made him so invaluable these last couple of years. Seventh in running back receiving yards last year third in running back targets, running back 10 ultimately on the season. And now I think he has an even higher uh, upside given Bill O'Brien's going to run a more functional offense, given that he's facing even less competition. Big, big fan of Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, me too. Um, now we're going into tier four and I'm going to try to get all the guys. This, you have a bunch of guys featured in this list. You got in no particular way. I'm going to go down the big board in the order you have them, but you've got Joe Mixon um, and th these players, tier four, you've got your 13 to 21 running backs. You got Joe Mixon clocking in at 15, J.K. Dobbins at 17, Miles Sanders in Carolina now at 18. You also have DeAndre Swift in Philly now at 20. And you've also got Damian Pierce rounding that out with Houston at 21. Um, for whatever it's worth, you also have James Conner featured on this list, who's the top guy in tier five at 22. So you got a, a clump of guys together there um, that you're – at least you're giving them all a slight bump. Yeah, I love all these guys. They've all risen for big reasons. Let's just go through a few of them. DeAndre Swift going to the Eagles. This guy ranked third in fantasy points per touch last year among all running backs. You know who was number one? Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> I just had to toss that one in there. We were like six years too late. Six years, yeah, exactly. Too early. Too early, too early indeed. Yeah. But Swift still continued. I know he was soft last year. I know there were so many mind-numbing, frustrating plays, and especially in the way he was used. 
Regardless, he is now getting traded to the third best offense in the league, 28.4 points per game. I know the Lions, they were fifth last year. They were good themselves, so it's not a steep upgrade there. But the competition he's facing now is so minimal. He should be the clear-cut lead back because Miles Sanders is gone. Kenny Gainwell is the only incumbent there. I absolutely love this. Rashad Penny was brought in, but Swift is able to run circles around Penny when they're both healthy. That's the risk. We do know Swift has been kind of a little bitch throughout his career and gotten hurt quite often. So that's the risk here. But this is the number one line in the league. The Lions have the number eight. So even a lot of these, like, yes, it was a good situation with the Lions, and that's why he scored the third most fantasy points per touch. But it's an even better situation to be even that much more efficient with the Eagles. They were dead last last year in the amount of targets to running backs, only 61. But just the year before, they had 106. I think it was a matter of personnel and talent, not so much just we don't like to throw to our running backs. And I don't think you trade for DeAndre Swift, also a Philly native, homecoming for the kid. I, I just all seems to line up really well. And I've never been a big Swift guy. In fact, I've never had him the last two seasons. And that's largely helped me out. This is the year when he's going around like six or so within this offense. I'm going to take the plunge, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm interested as well. Uh, that's intriguing to me. I've also never owned Swift, but this is the first time I've kind of raised an eyebrow. Yeah, time to time to look when he's at the Eagles with minimal competition. What's not to love there? Joe Mixon. Right. This is an interesting one. He had as about as tumultuous offseason as you could early on. There was you know threats about domestic abuse and all these police reports popping up, and rightfully so. His price tanked in these underdog drafts. Since then, though, Samaj P. Ryan has left. This is a guy that had 51 targets last year. Mixon saw 74, but I mean, that's a lot of targets, 51 to be now up for grabs. If Mixon can get to somehow, he's not going to go like 74 to 120. You're not just going to combine those, right? But like, this is a chance he could maybe get to 90 targets. That would be huge for him. We had 214 routes for Samaj, 277 for Mixon. That's a, that's a lot of potential routes, as well as 23 red zone touches for Samaj, 46 for Mixon last year. There's a lot of very, very high quality uh, snaps up for grabs here. 38% of the snaps, 32% of the opportunity. That's a lot. And now they did draft Chase Brown in round five, but that's round five. That's day three. Very low hit rate for those those running backs going so far. So I think this is a huge win for Joe Mixon. Since the draft, the coach, Zach Taylor, has come out and said, he's our guy. We're riding with Joe. There's a lot of risk about maybe he's going to get cut in. And all these things had his price really depressed. They also go and get Orlando Brown, an anchor at the left tackle. So now he's going to have the best line of his career. He's going to have the best in terms of usage-wise. No Samaj P. Ryan, the clearest path to three-down work. He's already been the running back 6'6 six, six, and 11 the last three years, but has his best setup, and he's going cheaper than he's ever gone because he's a round five, round six pick. Yeah. I, I, he could easily be a round you know, one pick come the end of this year that you're getting that late. I, I It's ugly to like Joe Mixon. It just doesn't feel right to – say that after how gross his offseason's been, but he truly came through all that mud in a better spot and his price is not reflecting that at all. That's completely fair. And I agree with you. I always feel dirty when I own him or when I'm interested in him, but you'd have to kind of, it would have to almost be a, a principal thing if you weren't going to at least give him a look. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got Dobbins, you got Sanders and Pierce still in, in tier three. Uh, what, tell me about Dobbins. I, I know you always kind of think he's sexy. I've always been a Dobbins guy. I loved him at OSU. He's so scheme versatile and he just, he always churns forward. And last year he definitely did not have his, his full gear. There was times where he would knife through the defense with this insane vision and make a nice cut and he'd get into the open field and the old JK Dobbins would have housed it. Like he had that breakaway speed that made him so sexy. He didn't have that last year. And yet he still comes back from his injury four games and he nearly led the NFL in yards in those four games, 57 carries, 397 yards and a touchdown. That was seven yards up. 
pop and didn't even look fully healthy. He was fifth in the yards per game with almost 100 at that point. His final game, we see an improved receiving role. Five targets, four catches, 43 and a touchdown. He puts over 20 fantasy points up in the fantasy playoffs. He's behind number the number two line, according to Pro Football Focus. I just think if he regains that breakaway speed, because we saw everything we loved in terms of the vision, finding the right lanes, but he just couldn't really turn the corner and still was eating. Now, if he gets that breakaway speed back and maintains this receiving role in Todd Munkin's offense, look out. I think Dobbins is a huge buy right now with people forgetting just how damn talented he is after his injuries. Uh, I agree with you. I actually like him, I, although I worry about him all the time, just like a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard um, and Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary rounding out tier four for you. Yeah. And Miles Sanders, definitely a big riser. Not a player I typically buy into. I've never really been a big Miles Sanders guy, but this no, is a volume. We just openly mocked him because he was asking for it. He, yeah, don't draft me. And then he goes and scores 11 touchdowns after he says, don't draft me. The year before, he has zero touchdowns. Zero. And then, then don't draft me. And then he has like, 11. Don't draft me. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and he goes, he goes and scores 11 on us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Miles Sanders. Really appreciate it. But man, like, he, it's a volume driven position. And who is he competing with in Carolina? Chuba Hubbard is the only other guy. They let Donta Foreman go and they don't draft any rookie replacements at this point. It reminds me of his rookie year setup with the Eagles, Miles Sanders, where he had 50 receptions they talked about him all off uh, all off season so far they signed him to such a big deal calling him a three down type of back that's why we gave him the deal we gave him i think he's top three right now in running back annual salary so you got to imagine they're going to really use him last year 259 carries 1269 yards 11 touchdowns he was eighth in carries fifth in yards and those touchdowns were top five as well I don't think we're going to see that many scoring opportunities. It's not as good of a line. It's not as good of an offense, but when he's getting more receiving work, it could definitely offset that and help Miles Sanders. He was a top 15 last year. I think he could definitely fall in that boat this year with a great setup. I do really like Damian Pierce as well. Uh, he loved him last year entering the season. The only sure. guy they add this offseason is Devin Singletary, who, is mediocre at best. They signed him to like a, a $1 million contract. Nobody wanted to sign him. It was kind of just like, a, hey, nobody wants you. Come here for a pretty much a bare minimum contract. I don't know that Damian Pierce will play 73.8% of the snaps again this year because I do think Singletary will rotate in a bit, but I still think this is 65 to maybe 70% of Pierce's backfield, and it should be a whole lot sexier than it was last year. Won the line. They've made a couple huge free agent signings. Shaq Mason coming in. You got Laramie Tunsil, maybe the best left tackle in the game still there. Titus Howard got himself healthy. Last year's first-round pick, Kenyon Green, a guard, was supposed to be a mauler. He sucked. But hey, it's a first-round talent. Maybe he can regain something. They do take a center. Their worst position last year was Questenberry at center. Horrendous. And they do draft that in the early sec, uh, early third round this year. So they address all that. Lines better. More importantly, you got C.J. Stroud now that should absolutely make this offense 10,000 times more explosive at quarterback. Woods, you know, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, John Mechie, Dalton Schultz, not a monster, you know, certain cabinet of weaponry, but they had literally nothing last year. So even just a, a minuscule of explosion that's on offense is going to help. Plus, you bring in a 49ers-inspired zone scheme. Their, their past game coordinator comes in as the offensive coordinator to work with D'Amico Ryans. So I love that zone blocking scheme. So the guy that finished Damian Pierce running back 20 last year also looks like he's much better set up in 2023, but is going far later than running back 20, running back 25 or so in ADP at this point. So you think um, you think C.J. Stroud is going to be more explosive than David Mills, Davis Mills? 
Just a tad. I know it's a high bar. I know Davis Mills is a really, really engineer. You're going to have a good day on that on Twitter with that one. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, why don't you talk about James Conner? Because you actually have him in a different tier, but only one spot below him on the big board. And, and he really, truly might belong in the tier we were just talking about. I love James Conner's price right now. He's going around like eight, and it, it makes no sense to me. He's been the running back nine in points per game, back to back years since joining the Cardinals. Signs a big extension. They absolutely love him. They bring in no other than good linemen no running back competition has been added last year he had 70.5 percent snap share 71.7 percent opportunity that ranked six and eighth last year he ran 280 routes 10th most in the league it's a true bell cow but he's going in round seven or eight and if kyler murray is anything close to his full health this is one of the top you know 12 offenses in the league I love this. I don't know why or how James Conner is going so cheap, but he might be the single best value in fantasy football right now. James Conner. It's not sexy. That's not going to win me any awards, but James Conner looking damn sexy. Well, actually right below, you're going to round out your risers list with the three guys you got right below Conner in this tier, which is Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, and Rashad White in that order. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Rashad White. Leonard Fournette gone. We already knew that. There's only one game last year that White played without Fournette. We don't have a huge sample size, but he played 90.9% of the snaps in that game, putting up 19.9 fantasy points, thanks to nine catches and 109 yards from scrimmage. He didn't even score, and he was a top five running back in his only week without Leonard Fournette. This line was actually pretty good last year. Number nine, according to Pro Football Focus, they did lose Shaq Mason and Donovan Smith, but they bring in Cody Fox, uh, Mock, and Matt Filer, one in the draft, one big free agent, and they just got massive guys across their entire line. Every single guy is like 320. Uh, who knows if that's going to end up panning out for them, but they got some real bulls up front. It's an ugly situation. We know that. It's, it's Baker Mayfield. It's Kyle Trask. Who knows who wins that job, but they're all going to suck. Even still, let's say it's Baker. Like Cam Akers was playing with Baker at the end of last year and averaging over 17 fantasy points per game with Mayfield as quarterback. So yes, it doesn't look great, but we saw Akers get a big bump in targets and rush yards once Mayfield took over. So it's not impossible that Rashad White can withstand that value. There are rumblings they might bring in Ezekiel Elliott. So his value could be up in the air, Rashad White. But for right now, this has been a great offseason for a guy that caught 50 passes as a rookie that has all three phases uh, at his disposal. I'm a big fan of Rashad White. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, the only guy they bring back, the number one man in fantasy points for opportunity, Jared McKinnon. He is going to be a receiving thorn in the side of Isaiah Pacheco. There's no if, and, or bout about it. But Pacheco really did take over the reins. Once CEH went down, he just... He was the opposite of CH. He ran hard. He went with what was blocked and then got some more. He played through a, a torn labrum in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw that. Like he, he is truly a tough prick. And he just that that is the type of guy they want to build their backfield around. So I'm a big, big fan of Pacheco. The ceiling is ultimately capped, but also a pretty high floor. Over his last uh since week 11, he had 10, 11 games. He had 10 or more points in 10 of those 11. Now he never really topped his high score in there was 16, but like, that's kind of what he is 10 to 16 points. Like that's a quality running right. back two flex for you. That's, that's fine for me. You know, he's not going to win you the week, but he's not going to lose you the week. I, he became their de facto number one guy. And I think there's some more upside for touchdowns. The last guy you mentioned there, Cam Akers. I'm really big fan of Cam Akers entering 2023. It's contract year and he's only 23. He definitely has some good ball in front of him if he is fully recovered from that Achilles tear of two seasons ago. Now that's a, a injury that no running back has ever truly come back from. 
But Cam Akers, towards the end of last year, when it was about a year and a half or so, seemed to find a gear he had been missing in his recovery for a while. In that span, weeks 13 through 18, he was the running back four in fantasy. Crazy. Top five running back, Cam Akers. He finished the year with three straight 100-plus yard efforts. And after that, Sean McVay comes out and says, we really hope to build off this strong finish, make him the centerpiece of our offense, of our backfield. And then they go and do nothing but add a six-round rookie, Zach Evans, who, yeah, he's got some interesting dates, you know, traits there. But to me, it's definitely the Cam Akers show. It's his last year under contract. I think they're going to absolutely ride him. And he's similar to James Conner, going around seven or eight. Screaming value to me. Absolutely love Cam Akers. All right. You want to go? Uh, we're going to, you got some sleepers. I don't know if you want to hit all those guys. We did talk about a lot of those guys. I just want to say their names real quick because this might be like a quick minute clip for uh for tw- you know the TikTok that we're, we're slowly right. burgeoning on. Roll it. Less, less than a minute. But a few sleepers to emerge. The guys that are, you can get in the last round of every best ball draft and certainly your redraft leagues that people aren't talking about, but saw some huge value games. Jerome Ford, as we talked about, no Kareem Hunt. He's gone. Clear cut number two, as is Josh Kelly behind uh, Alison Eckler there. They've already talked about how they want a big role for him, a goal line hammer. Could have a lot of touchdown opportunities. Pierre Strong and James Robinson behind Ramondre Stevenson. Nobody else added to this backfield. It's been a backfield for the Patriots that has been top 10 in total team backfield points for the last decade. So I think there's a lot of fantasy meat to go around there. Even CEH, I know we just were shitting on him, but with nobody else added, he's got his last year of his deal. Maybe they try one last time. Could he get it going? I don't think so. I don't buy it. I'm not typically going into CEH, but maybe he does. And last but not least, Chuba Hubbard looked really good last year in his limited work. There's no one else other than Miles Sanders. Yes, he's the clear number two, but that's a lot better than he's been able to say throughout his career as being the clear number two here. All right, we're going to talk about some fallers now. Um, probably not as much to say about those. Nah, we have a few. Because nobody cares um, about fallers. We just got to emphasize. Know, well, you know, yeah. It's you know, it's like jumping in a cold pool. Yeah, you know, just really takes it out of you. Right. Um, but let, let's real quick. I'm going to say a name. You you tell me what you think real fast. Tyler uh, Algier and Cordell Cordero Patterson, like as a group. Yeah, you add Bijan Robinson, and I mean that's a generational talent. This is Saquon Barkley, but a better runner, maybe a less receiver. He's a, he's my running back seven. We'll talk about our rookies, but yeah, Tyler Algier. He's not going to see the field to, for Bijan Robinson. He's just too damn good. Yeah, Kenneth Walker falling a little bit because Zach Charbonnet comes in. We already have Pete Carroll playing his shenanigans, saying it's an open competition. Ken Walker couldn't have been more impressive last year, but already we got this type of you know. Of course, Pete Carroll needs more running backs, whatever. David Montgomery, I still like his touchdown upside, but Jameer Gibbs, this team couldn't have been more excited to add Jameer Gibbs. I do think he's going to command Gibbs a heavier snap share than it would have been if it had just been Montgomery and Swift. The team didn't love Swift. They love Gibbs. So I think we get about a 60-40 split favoring Gibbs. Montgomery still should eat the touchdowns. Like we saw Jamal Williams, who's also a faller on this list do last year. Uh, but yeah, definitely took a little bit of the wind out of David Montgomery's sales. Speaking of Jamal Williams, you add Kendra Miller, who the GM says he yeah. is a phenomenal talent. Kendra Miller is unique. We couldn't pass up the opportunity to take him. So now it becomes like Kamara's there, Jamal Williams there. It's disgusting. Three-headed nightmare and a bad offense. So I don't want anything to do with any of these guys other than maybe Kendra Miller, the exciting rookie who they keep raving about. You know, I love me some Jeff Wilson, but not anymore. I found a new love in the Miami backfield who we'll talk about shortly. Devin Akane. They draft him. And no one, thank you. He's so much better, Devin Akane, than Raheem Mostert and probably Jeff Wilson, too. Jeff Wilson will probably get those, those goal line touches, the bigger back. So he, he still has some value. Uh, but 
damn, he took a big flaw. Brian Robinson as well. Like Chris Rodriguez, only a six round pick. I get that. But the team says they have a third round grade on him. He's a big bull. He does everything Brian Robinson does. But Brian Robinson was very, very inefficient last year. Now, it's understandable. He got shot. Maybe he can come back and be a little more efficient after the fact that he even played in the same season of getting shot. is as crazy. It should be lauded. He, that was amazing. But if he's no better than he was last year, there's a real chance he loses that big back roll to Chris Rodriguez. And then you got Gibson already taking the receptions. That could be useless. And Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift does everything he does, just does it better. So Gainwell comes pretty much useless, in my opinion, unless the guys in front of him, they have injury concerns, Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift. Maybe Gainwell gets into some value. But before he had a nice standalone role, I don't think he has anything without injury. And we mentioned Jonathan Taylor, but we do think Anthony Richardson could vulture a lot of those touchdowns. You ever seen a quicker and bigger fall from grace? I mean, there probably is one, that, but I, I can't think of it off the top of my head than um, Alvin Kamara. That's been a tough one. These last this last year and then everything this offseason, it's just bad. I mean, what do you have in like 40 or something like that? Uh, I don't know. I won't draft him this year. No, 40, I, I should just X him out. Like, I don't even want him. I, I, well, I mean, good. I mean, 39. He, 39. He will, 40, good guess. He will, he will not do any. I mean, wow. I was so happy. I got him in two leagues last year, and I was just like, yeah. I thought he was going to be. Here we go. Yeah. And then he didn't get suspended. Didn't even matter. Still sucked. Still sucked. Yeah. All right. Rank some running back rookies for me real quick. You got to not have them on your list. Yeah, we'll we'll rip through them. There's only really three to four that I think truly, truly matter. Bijan Robinson being the most important. He's my running back seven. I'm actually two spots below ECR. Generational talent, as we were saying. He can do it in every single phase, the vision, the power. He does it all. Everything you want a running back to do. He's Saquon Barkley, but a better runner. So I am a big, big fan of Bijan. We know the Falcons, a very good running team. Last year, Tyler Algier was going nuts down the stretch. Every single running back on their team averaged 4.8 or more yards per carry. So Bijan in an amazing spot. Uh, the only risk there is Arthur Miller, who doesn't use pits the right way. Maybe he doesn't use Bijan as well, but man, I'm a big fan there. Next up is Jamar Gibbs sliding at running back 19, just below J.K. Dobbins and Sanders, just ahead of Pierce and Swift. And he could definitely rise as we go here in the offseason. An elite receiving threat, one of the best receiving backs to come out of the last five years. The team could not have been any more excited. Bang in the table. Dan Campbell going nuts when they went out and got Gibbs. They love this player. I know that we're going to get Montgomery vulturing, and that's why I can't go too much higher than where I have Jamar Gibbs right here. But, man, I absolutely love this player. And if he does get some of that touchdown equity, it's going to be an absolute feeding there. The next guy on my list, and this is a guy I couldn't be any higher on. I'm actually plus 29 ECR by having him at running back 29. That's Devin McCain. And now I'm betting on an outlier here. The guy is tiny. He's like, you know, 5'8", 170 pounds. That doesn't typically work out at the running back position. But he runs so tough for his size. He's a great zone runner. And that's exactly what Miami does. So explosive. He ran a 4-3-4 among the fastest 40 times we've ever seen for a running back. And nobody's more speed obsessed than Mike McDaniel. So I think this was an absolute perfect talent player fit with him going to Miami. I am in love with Devin Akane. He's going to be used great in the screen game. You got those two speedsters and Waddle and Tyree kill on the outside. How much space is he going to have underneath to just go bananas? Big, big fan of Devin Akane. The rest of these running backs, they're, they're later round stabs. I do think Kendra Miller has the talent to really emerge as the main guy for the saints, Big, big fan of him. Don't love Charbonnet with the behind Kenneth Walker. Chase Brown is the handcuff for Joe Mixon. You know, we saw Samaje Ryan had three top 10 games as the handcuff last year. So I do am slightly intrigued by him. But like then there's like Rashawn Johnson and the and the the Bears mess. I don't know if he does anything. Tank Bigsby, kind of ugly behind Travis Etienne, but I do like the player. Maybe he gets some goal line equity. And Tajay Spears locked in behind 
Derrick Henry. So also a tough guy to really buy into for an immediate impact. And then he's got some knee concerns too already. They say he doesn't even have an ACL in his knee. I don't even know what that means. How you have a knee without No, an ACL. I don't either. But my, my gut instinct is it's not great. Yeah, I mean, I don't have an ACL. I tore my ACL. I never had the surgery. But I'm also not going out to the NFL field. Like, I, I struggle to get up my stairs. So I don't know how this guy's going to go to the NFL field right now. We're different beasts, I guess. Built differently. Tajay Spears and me a little bit different. There's maybe. subtle differences. Uh, subtle, subtle differences, yeah. But yeah, those are, those are where I had the Rickies. The big ones being, again, Bijan Robinson. And Jamar Gibbs and Devin Akane. All right. I also just want to real quick before we get into wide receivers, uh, Twin Caliber UK says, has the wolf been captured and taken to a factory to clone? And I would <laughs> I would respond to that. The less you know, wish, yeah. <laughs> less we can we'll tell the, tell you those things soon. <laughs> I'm not going to just just take it easy. You don't need there's certain things you don't need to know. Blink if you need help. <laughs> no. Does, 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 Professor Wolf is the clone, and he's the one who wears glasses. Oh yeah, that- the, the real wolf's dead. I've already. Well, I'm, no, obviously, if you're ever in the same place, the way reason the way we'll tell you apart is one of you will have glasses on, which yes. is an infallible way to. I'm the I'm the AI wolf. They've they've cloned me. They turned me into a robot. If you cut me open, there's just gears and stuff inside here. The other carcass. He was useless. That other wolf. He's tossed into a ditch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, well yeah. go over to the wide receivers and running backs was by far the heaviest position so we're going to go pretty quick through the receivers and tight ends risers and fallers here yeah. to wrap this up I, I bet you 15 minutes tops here and i, I still got know. a little bit of time so let's get into it Kadarius awesome. Tony that thumbs up button before you go before you get but, too excited we do have about 14 15 you know, live with us here i'd love to see that that's awesome i know it's the early off season we're used to you know 50 60 of you live with us but 15 to 20, you're tuning in before the Celtics tonight. Awesome. Great stuff. Please do consider that thumbs up button to help us continue to grow Wolfpack. If you're here live or catching the replay, so greatly appreciate you spending your time here. Let's dive into these receiver risers and followers. Also, Campanelli wants to know if we coordinated our shirt colors. It's just RSJ gear, man. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Standard issue. Um, Anyway, Kadarius, Tony, and MBS you've got there. You've got Tony as your wide receiver 30, but you do have him 11 spots above the experts. Yeah, big, big fan of him. No real competition ad. They do have Rasheed Rice come in. Second round pick, a little bit of a reach in my opinion, but he's a different skill set. He's a big body guy, could definitely make some damage in the red zone. But Tony's the one, and the GM comes out after the draft saying, I don't know if there's a limit to Tony's game because he has a vertical game. He hasn't been used that way, but he absolutely can bring that to the field. There's lots of rumblings that they think he is their true number one, drawing the double teams, doing it at every layer. And I really do believe he has the skill set. Now, can he stay healthy and actually put it together for a full year? That's a really big if and probably not. But let's say he does. The upside is truly, I think, top 10 receiver here for Kadarius Tony. MBS less so. We know he has some big spike weeks every now and again. So best ball, he's fine. He's a good stab where you can get him. But to me, it's Tony. It's a Tony show. They're gushing over him. Even Andy Reid coming out and saying a full offseason to learn the system, get healthy within it. I'm really, really big fan. DeAndre Hopkins, you've got him at 14, six above the experts. He's just a guy that... You know, you you know, on any given week, he could be the best guy in the league, at least up to this point. Um, so what do you think? You you love Hopkins still, obviously. Yeah, 110 percent. I think remaining home in Arizona as he rounds out his career here is actually good for his fantasy value. He's been the clear alpha these last few seasons since he's arrived. In fact, last year, there's a lot of like 
he's old. He's on his back nine. He doesn't look so good. And two years ago, I would have agreed with you. He didn't have his best efficiency. Didn't seem like he still had it. Last year when he was on the field, he was dominant. He averaged over 19 fantasy points per game from week seven to 15. Those are the full weeks that he played. He was a wide receiver six in that span. And he never went below 13 fantasy points. And he had a 35 pointer, a 22 point. Like He had some huge games, was a wide receiver, top 12 guy or better. Uh, in over 44% of his games. So, I mean, he was really, really good. No real threats have been added this offseason. So he definitely still has a top 10 outcome within his reach. This is DeAndre Hopkins we're talking about. And I just wanted to reiterate, when he was on the field, he looked like DeAndre Hopkins last year. So I am excited to go back. He's back home. The quarterback he knows that, that loves to pepper him. I think this was a win of an offseason for him. Traylon Burks, uh, you got him at 35. Wood's gone. No one added. This kind of reminds me of, do you, do you ever, you ever uh, listen to the comedian Mitch Hedberg? Nah. No, he's really, really funny. He's dead, but he's a hilarious guy. And he has this thing where someone's like, when when uh, XM Radio came out, someone was saying to him, oh, you got to listen to like XM Radio because you can swear on it. He was like, yeah, that's because nobody can hear it. It's like, you can swear in the woods too. So uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of the way I feel about <laughs> woods gone, no one added. It's like, yeah, but it's still Tennessee. So yeah, yeah. it's ugly. <laughs> it's the woods. It's ugly. Now, my only take here is Burks is the clear-cut number one. There's no real debate here anymore. The seventh most vacated targets with 199, 45.6% of their targets are vacated the Titans. That's the fourth highest share in the league. And if you look at the NFL's median receiver, the number one receiver, last year they caught 78 passes for 1,042 yards and six touchdowns. That would be a damn good season for Traylon Burks going around, you know, eight, nine right now. I love the player. He's great with the ball in his hands. You know, that linebacker size Debo Samuel probably did not have that type of hype that a lot of people were hyping him as, but he really did have some glimpses of being a true alpha. We see a ton of big year two steps. It's a historic trend. It used to be three years. Now it's usually two years. So I think a big sophomore season could be in store for Traylon Burks, a good off season for him so far. All right. Nico Collins, Robert Woods. John Mechie, all upside to be top guy for one of the top quarterback prospects in 2023. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. could be. It'll be interesting to see because I do love the CJ Stroud. I love him as a player. I like this 49ers inspired scheme where it's going to be a lot of yak, a lot of easy, just kind of layup targets, layup catches for whoever does emerge as the number one. To me, I think it's Robert Woods. And I know that's ugly and it doesn't seem great, but this is a scheme that very much resembles the Ram scheme that Robert Woods was a monster in for years and years and years. And they went out and got him as fast as they could. So I really think that veteran presence could take over and make him the number one. Now, the highest upside to me is John Metric. If he's fully recovered from leukemia, of last year he, he could do it all he could be an absolute true alpha so i love to see what john mechie does he's a guy i'm definitely investing in but i really really like even more is tank dell we're going to talk about when he him when we get to the uh, rookies there but we got we talk about how much vacated volume we had for the titans there texans 2,860 air yards. That's first in the league. 70% of their air yards is first in the league. 357 targets, first in the league. And you guessed it. 64% of the targets also first in the league too. So they have an entire shakeup here of this wide receiver core with a good young passer coming in, a intriguing, make it easy for your wide receivers and passer type of scheme. Somebody's going to murder some value here and they all go round 15 or beyond. So Who's it going to be? We'll find out. The upside's with Mechie. The floor's with Woods. So that means it's probably going to be Nico Collins. But I'm going to bet on Robert Woods, especially at his price right now. Did I skip Van Jefferson? You did, and there's not much to get into. I I wanted to ask you this. A-Rob traded. um, Who did he get traded to? The Steelers. (laughs) Really? 
they just needed more big bodies. You know, George Pickens wasn't enough for them, and, and Pat Fryermoos, and yeah, exactly, useless corpse. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not interested in a Rob. Sandbags, yeah, okay. <laughs> sandbags, yeah. All right, exactly, exactly. Uh, so who knows what that means for Van Jefferson? But just two years ago, this was the wide receiver 36, a viable wide receiver three with 802 yards and six touchdowns. He had a good rapport with Stafford. By all accounts, is healthy at this point. There's really nobody other than, of course, Cooper Cup, who's going to probably see 200 targets. We know that, but behind him, there is absolutely no one. It's a Higby, maybe it's Acres, or maybe it is Van Jefferson who has had those flashes and those glimpses there's nobody in his way the only receiver they add was uh puka i don't even remember his last name uh puka nakua in round five who is a big tunes guy i know tunes is probably tuned in or maybe chopping this up at some point tunes i like is, the kid is tuned in. He's, he's in the comment section oh is he yeah of course he is i i do like this puka kid i i'm with you tunes i think he's an intriguing talent he has a little bit of Cooper Cup elements in terms of moving around and after the catch. But uh, Van's the guy that's there. He's the incumbent. He's going to have every chance to be that clear-cut number two. So he's a big winner as well. All right. Uh, what do you think of the Patriots this year, dude? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because I like Bill O'Brien. I do. The last time he was a play caller here, uh, Patriots ranked third in attempts, second in yards, fourth in passing touchdowns. Now, there's one variable that's not no longer here. That's Tom Brady. I understand that when you had the goat at quarterback, it's very easy to be pass happy and very successful passing the ball. But even with you know Deshaun Watson, every single year was top five quarterback for him uh, under Bill O'Brien. So this guy can coordinate an aerial attack. I think it's going to, at minimum, you know it can't be worse than Matt Patricia. So that's big news. And then they bring in Juju. I think he's going to be the perfect fit in that slot world that has averaged 130 targets a year, that has been better than the wide receiver 15 in all the last 10 years, but two. And they've been the two most recent years. So again, was that Tom Brady thing? Maybe, but there is going to be plenty of volume for Juju, for Taekwon Thornton, yeah, and Devontae Parker. Really nobody brought in. They bring in Kayshawn Booty, who gets the name award as a, a wide receiver, who was supposed to be a first-round prospect coming into the year. And then he just really disappointed with inconsistent effort. Maybe he does regain it, and, and he could truly have the talent to be better than any of those guys, Juju, Taekwon, or Parker. But that's the only competition they brought in. Like all those guys can be considered winners. Uh, last time Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones worked together, he threw for 41 touchdowns and 4,500 yards. Yes, it's college. I get that. But the two do have a pre-established relationship, and I don't think it can get any worse for Mac Jones. So I think there's going to be a decent aerial pie here with not a lot of mouths and certainly no new mouths added that are threats to those main incumbents of Juju, Taekwon and Devontae Parker and maybe Kayshawn Booty as well. Cause you remove uh, Jacoby Myers too, right? Like that's a, that's a big slice right there. So good off season for Patriots wide receivers in terms of their fancy value. And nobody wants to draft him. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's Kendrick Bourne. You know, I'm a huge Kendrick Bourne guy. I know he, you are. He was in the, the doghouse for Patricia, but maybe he's the one that just emerges and, and regains that value. He was so efficient just two seasons ago. I could definitely see it. When you mentioned that uh, 4,500 yard, 41 TD uh, performance for um, Mac Jones, I was just like, I'm, I don't pay a ton of attention, but I'm pretty sure I would have noticed that. Um, but then when you mentioned it was a college, yeah, <laughs> I was just like, nah, I think it was more like you know, 3,000 yards or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about going down. As we said, you know, no one likes to talk about the down guys, but there are a couple names actually in that group. Um, starting with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, um, RIP Josh Palmer. 
Yes, exactly. I'll kind of rip through these fallers just like I did with the running backs. Mike William Keenan Allen being the biggest names that are impacted because Quentin Johnson arrives. And as we said, Brent Silly saying this is the most talented, not even receiver, player on the field against Georgia, against Michigan, against all these first-round talents. He loved Quentin Johnson, made him the second receiver off the board. That's going to eat into Mike Williams and Keenan Allen's volume. In some sense, I think Mike Willie might actually be sneaky hurt the most because they have very similar skill sets. Whereas Keenan Allen, he's the slot. He knows what he's doing. He, he's got that rapport. I could see Quentin Johnson being a little bit more of a nuisance for Mike Willie. And then, as you said, RIP Josh Palmer. They clearly weren't happy with him as the third by going out and getting Quentin Johnson. There's no value here for Palmer anymore. Then you got Rashad Bateman, you know, Zay Flowers and OBJ arrive, and any one of those three could be the number one. I can't sit here and pretend to know. It might be a 1A, 1B, 1C situation where they're all pretty much the number one. That's probably what does happen because all three can move all over. All three can win at every layer. I would probably bet on Zay Flowers the most, but – it's going to be a tricky situation for all three of these guys. Uh, so definitely a down for Bateman, who was entering the offseason as the clear-cut number one wide receiver. Then you got uh, K.J. Osborne. Jordan Addison comes in. He's the unbelievable best compliment for um, for Justin Jefferson here. Great at winning underneath, doing a lot of those short to intermediate stuff. So K.J. Osborne will still be that field stretcher, but I think there's a lot of risk uh, whereas he was going to be a clear-cut number two. I think Addison is definitely the number two here in that Adam Thielen role. Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. You add Elijah Moore with a draft pick trade. Cedric Tillman also added. Like They, they clearly want something better than DPJ, who's going to be a free agent next year. Who, yes, I know I've been a big DPJ guy uh, in the you, past. You've owned some DPJ stock in your time. You just muted yourself, Wolf. And your screen looks – it's like the Wolf clone barely even knows how to operate this stuff. I know it's a different space. Obviously, can you hear me now? Am I unmuted? Yeah. yeah, although you got like a glare on your picture, but I don't care. I know who you are. I know that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to fix up because I think the sun's coming in here uh, at a new angle. So that's my bad. I did put on Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Slight followers just because JSN is that good. He's going to command some volume, but they're still going to maintain plenty of value here. Um, Chark and Thielen, Mingo comes in, highly rated rookie. Uh, they made him, you know, the, the first pick of the second round. So that could be a thorn in their sides. They're certainly not, you know, insurmountable. And you got M Mims coming in, Marvin Mims, a really nice vertical threat for the Broncos. It could impact Sutton and Judy, probably impacts Tim Patrick the most as their third wide receiver. But Patrick is such a good blocker. Maybe he can stay on there. And the last is who's going to win that slot competition with the Giants? Is it Paris Campbell, the new arrival? Does Juan Dale with the incumbent draft capital keep it? Or is it Jalen Hyatt, the new rookie, very exciting player? It does make all of those guys a little riskier to draft right now. Well, we have to wait for that to get shaken out. But somebody will have some really good value, whoever emerges there. Yeah. All righty. What's that? I just hear some uh, some commotion. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> the, the, the third wolf clone coming out. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, the, clone, the clones degrade over time. So, I mean, you know, by the time we get to like wolf clones, yeah. <laughs> going to get murdered by the uh, clone wolf. Yeah, no kidding. All right, where are we at right now? Are we talking about Pittman, Pierce? We are talking about um, – oh, yeah, so the last I, – I completely skipped those guys. So the last potential fallers would be Pittman and Pierce for the Colts. Similar to this, Anthony Richardson, yes, he might make this entire offense more explosive as a whole. But he is a scattershot passer. It's not going to be an offense that revolves around. He's got a cannon arm, so he's definitely going to facilitate some more big plays for these guys, some bigger splashes. But in terms of just consistent value getting dinked and dunked down the field, that's going to be a bit riskier for these guys. All right.
Are we, are we going to round out? Are you rounding out or are we moving on to rookies? Yeah, we can hit the rookies there. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. Um, yeah. G- give me the rookies. Obviously JSN's your number one rookie. You got him at your wide receiver 40. And I mean, you've made a pretty good case for him. Yeah. I'm not a, I love a lot of these prospects for dynasty, but as you can see, the highest ranked rookie receiver I have is at 40. So there's none of these guys I think are walking in and just dominating immediate must start fantasy products. JSN is one that just so talented, even with those two target hogs around him, I think he can really carve out that slot role and do some really, really good things there. Jordan Addison lands in the best spot for the rookies. Not my favorite talent. He was can get kind of bullied at the line of scrimmage, but when he does get free, he is so good at finding space in the defense, just really knows how to get open once he's off the press. That's going to be a challenge at the NFL level, but with this Vikings team, with teams keyed in on Justin Jefferson, I think Addison could definitely feast. He's probably in the best, just immediate home for value. Quentin Johnson, the next up, he is the my favorite talent of all these guys, the big body with the speed, but it is crowded when you have, of course, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. That's a lot of mouths to feed. So I don't know that he'll ever be truly consistent. Where's Zay Flowers? My 50, uh, my wide receiver 54 right behind him. He is a move around guy. People compare him to Antonio Brown. I think that's ludicrous. I think it's a little bit too high of praise. The as guy a is player or as a lunatic. No, as a football player. Okay. <laughs> Cause Zay Flowers very grounded, very much like a, a humble, hard worker, uh, you know, adds the good weight in the off season type of guy. Like he, he's great. I love never want to hear like the, yeah, man, he's like Antonio Brown. He's an absolute, absolute nah, nut, nut bag. No, yeah, I want <laughs> no, he's not. Um, but he, he could be that true number one for them. We'll find out right after him. And this is maybe my favorite sleeper. He's not getting drafted by anybody. Tank Dell wide receiver, 57 CJ Stroud went out and said, this is the guy I want a wide receiver. He worked together at the combine. They ran their routes together. And he just said, I love the way this guy moves. I feel just an instant connection. And the team obliged. They went out and got CJ Stroud's guy. You know, Stroud's going to pepper him. You don't want to look dumb and say, go get this guy and then not use him. He had 29 touchdowns tanked out the last two years of college, even though he's only 5'8 and 165 pounds, a little pipsqueak. But he gets a lot of those Tyree Kill. And unfair, he's not Tyree Kill, but he's very herky-jerky, like very quick. Uh, and it would be an outlier similar to Devin Kane. I love both these just like quick twitch, really fast guys that I'm betting on outlier seasons for both of them. I really think Tank Dell could be a thing. Uh, so a clear depth chart to really ascend there. Perfect for what the 49ers type of scheme that they're going to bring to Houston. Perfect for what they want to do out of the slot. And then last but not least, the only other rookie I'd probably draft in redraft is Jalen Hyatt. I love Brian Dayball. I love his scheme. I think there's plenty of targets up for grabs. It is messy. There's a lot of mouths here, and who knows how it's going to all shake out. But Jalen Hyatt, Dane Brugler's third wide receiver, uh, landed in a perfect spot. If he can emerge as the starter there, him and Daniel Jones could really cook. Uh, deep speed, just it was it was a great scheme at Tennessee. So maybe he is just a, a system player, but I think he really brings a lot to the table. So I love Jalen Hyatt. I like the Giants offense. I think it could be a good fit. The only other rookies to look for might be Marvin Mims and Josh Downs. I just didn't like their immediate landing spots um, for fantasy value in 2023. All right. Uh, that's unfortunately the end of the road for me. I got to run, but uh, we only have tight ends left to go, so I'm not missing much. Wolf, I actually learned quite a lot. I'm looking forward to good. popping this one up and uh, recording with you again, which I think we're going to try to do, what, next week? Absolutely, yeah. Get a big best ball in, all that good stuff. All right, so people that are watching, um, I should be, I should have the rookie pod and this one up both tonight. If not, I'll, I'll put at least one of them up, and the other one I'll put up tomorrow. Perfect. Uh, it's been too long. Uh, and everybody that tuned in, uh, thanks for tuning in. I've missed you guys. 
uh, and you know, give Wolf your full attention for the Titan. <laughs> right. uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll mow through those. But truth, it was great catching up. I do always miss recording with you when we're not together. So yeah, it was good linking up, my man. All right. I'll see you soon. All right. Cheers, brother. Later. All righty. And thank you again, Wolfpack. Those of you that are still here with me, let's wrap this thing up in the, uh, the warehouse where I've been abducted and and bred and cloned and all that good stuff. But that thumbs up button would mean the world uh, as you wrap this up with me. Let's get through these tight ends. There's only a handful of names that we want to talk about. The first being Chigozim Okonkwo. We already talked about all that vacated volume with the Titans when looking at Traylon Burks. We got the seventh most vacated targets, 199, 45.6% target share, fourth highest share in the league. And Chig, you got Austin Hooper gone. It is the clear cut path for him to be at the top. The OC, Tim Kelly, play caller I do like, has already said, we really want to maximize this guy and use him to his fullest potential. He really stretched the field vertically last year. And Chig himself saying, I see myself leading the tight end room for sure. I see myself as being the guy to bring this all together. I believe in it too. Irv Smith Jr., he went to the Bengals, a ripe offense, obviously top five in terms of touchdowns. And last year, Hayden Hurst had a 14% target share. The Titans in general for the Bengals had a 17% target share. We know the risk with Irv. It's staying healthy, but he has always been a plus athlete whenever he's on the field. And there's nobody. They added no one in the draft, uh, which was a shocker. Everybody thought, given this class, that the Bengals were a no-brainer lock to add a tight end. They avoid the position, which is a vote of confidence to Irv Smith, a freak athlete that, yes, health is very, very hard to bank on for him. But for as long as he's healthy, this is as perfect of a spot as you could ask for. Other risers, Mike Gusecki and Hunter Henry, just similar to the wide receiver situation we talked about. Very minimal competition added in terms of pass catcher. Kayshawn Booty going in round six at 187, the only real weapon brought in. They lose Jacoby Myers, which opens up well over 100 targets from the past two years, you know, 25% share. A lot to go around, and they're going to definitely need to lean on their two tight ends. In particular, I think Mike Gusecki reuniting with Bill O'Brien. Really good spot. Gerald Everett, I was kind of down on him all offseason, but, man, they, they bring no new tight end in here, even though they were linked to Dalton Schultz, linked to a rookie. Nothing comes in. So this is another season for Gerald Everett to maximize. And he had a pretty good year there. Uh, finished top 10 among the tight ends. Quentin Johnson, yeah, real competition. But Gerald Everett, in terms of tight end, you're looking for scores. You're looking for athleticism. He brings them both. Jake Ferguson did gain some competition, but I don't know that it's impossible to just completely blow Luke Schoonmaker out of the water. A very average athlete out of Michigan, sure-handed, reliable, kind of Dalton Schultzian in that sense. But Jake Ferguson for the Cowboys could absolutely um, bank on some stuff. And last but not least, as a riser, maybe Logan Thomas. Eh, it's useless. We don't need to go into it. In terms of followers, Nobody fell harder than Dawson Knox. We know Dalton Kincaid, an absolute monster, big-bodied slot, just going to feast in the red zone. Big, big fan of him. Obviously, hurts Dawson Knox, who was very, very touchdown-dependent. He'll score a few this year, but not nearly as many. Had Dalton called Kincaid a big slot monster, not been added. Craig Dolchik's very, very lukewarm endorsements from uh, Sean Payton here, who goes, says, yeah, I liked some things he did, but there's a lot that would need to be fixed for us to consistently want to use Greg Dolchik's. He then goes and pays a big price to go get Adam Shaheen over from New Orleans, the guy he drafted originally. So Dolchik's just getting lukewarm endorsements. 
inconsistent last year. Had some real athletic flashes, but if the coach doesn't love him, he's not going to use him. I don't like him. And then Isaiah likely with all these wide receivers, it could have been a two tight end type of system. But now when you have three really good receivers in OBJ, Bateman, and then of course Dave Flowers, the rookie, it's just going to make it that much harder for Isaiah likely as talented as he is to carve out a role beyond just handcuff upside. And then Jelani Woods, some of the other pass catchers falling for Indy because of scattershot tendencies from Anthony Richardson. I think Jelani Woods takes a big hit, but also because his main values as a red zone threat, six, seven, just monster. Really enjoy it. Really enjoy the way he can move that big body too. But unfortunately, Anthony Richardson's probably going to be capping off far more touchdown drives. I don't think there's going to be a ton of receiving touchdown pie to go around, and that's going to really hurt Jelani Woods. Now, ranking the rookie tight ends, there's actually a few of them. There's only four I really want to talk about, but two of them are in my top 20. Dalton Kincaid, in fact, is in my top 12. He's a big body, just monster fluid athlete. They, All the good receivers of round one talents had gone right before the Bills, and it sounds like they really didn't even care because they wanted Kincaid as a big body, you know, tight end slash receiver hybrid, their slot. Um, so I think this hurts Khalil Shakir potentially. I think Kincaid is a just shoe-in for eight to ten touchdowns as a 6'5 fluid monster. I think he's in the perfect spot. Michael Mayer also, you know, many people's number one tight end prospect, including Dane Brugler coming in this, my favorite scout out there. He lands with, of course, the Raiders, a wide open, no more uh, Darren Waller, no more Foster Moreau. Truly nobody was there. And so the potential number one tight end prospect of this class, Michael Mayer did some great things at Notre Dame last year, lands in a immediate monster situation for um, targets. We know, we know Jimmy Garoppolo has, leaned on his tight ends in the past. And last two guys, tight end 26 and tight end 30 for me, are Sam Laporta going to the Lions. They don't have any other tight end. This is a top five offense, fifth in points last year. They have no tight end with TJ Hawkinson being gone. It was Brock, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name at this point. Let me know in the comments. Who's, who's the tight end for the Lions ahead of Sam Laporta? Probably not, no one that he can't beat. They made him the second tight end off the board. In fact, ahead of Michael Mayer, who I do think was the better prospect, but Seems like the Lions truly loved Michael Mayer there. So I am a big fan of him. It's a, a uh, monster uh, situation there in terms of Dan Campbell you know, coming from the Iowa tree. It's a great situation. And last but not least, we mentioned Luke Schoonmaker, a good spot for him to land. We know how heavily Dak Prescott leaned on Dalton Schultz. It's a very similar Schultzian type of player that doesn't bring a lot of special to the table, but is reliable, sure-handed is where he's supposed to be. That could be a big thing. He could easily beat out Jake Ferguson for the number one role there and is worth drafting because of it. Wolfpack, we just covered all the ranking updates, all the veteran risers, fallers, where all the rookies slot in, in just over an hour, hour, 12 minutes. Not my most efficient work, but hey, pretty damn good. If you enjoyed it, please do consider that thumbs up button. Let's see the quick comments that we have. Wolf, yes, I am. <laughs> Debbie, a rushing yard. Great to see you. Thank you for tuning in. Really can't wait. I know, Bulldog. It's a, it's closer than we think, baby. The summer is almost here. Not a fan of Johnson as a player, but love it. Yeah, I agree 100%. What's your opinion on when to draft him in redraft versus dynasty on tunes? I wonder why you're asking with those rookie picks there. It doesn't change much for me. I do value him more in Dynasty just because you're competing right from day one with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. As early as next year, Keenan Allen's probably going to be gone. And if Quentin Johnson just has those quality flashes throughout this year, he could be walking into 120-plus targets every year for the rest of his career from Justin Herbert. That would be hugely valuable. So I definitely prefer him in 
dynasty, I'd have him in a single quarterback, probably at four or five overall. In a super flex, he'd go behind the quarterbacks for me, ahead of Addison, though, uh, in my opinion, as well. Jerome Ford, the new Alexander Madison, it's not a bad comparison, Tunes. It's a similar scheme. It's a fancy game from the Vikings originally. It's one of those schemes that whoever's the starter is going to get there. Is that zone blocking, beautiful. And, and we saw Jerome Ford have a three-touchdown day in the preseason. Like, this guy is talented and can get it done as a receiver, too. So assuming that Kareem Hunt is remaining off this team, I do think Jerome Ford could be in a beautiful spot. My man, Charlie, a lot of the legends tuning in tonight. You'll love to see it. How significant Javante injury concerns? Yeah, everybody's definitely sleeping on this upside, Charlie. I 100% agree. No team generated more backfield points as a unit than the Saints across Sean Payton's entire decade there with the Saints. Only the Patriots came close to even approaching the totals over those last 10 years. So this is a, a guy, Sean Payton, that loves to use his running backs in creative ways and especially his pass catchers. If Javante is healthy, he could 100% feast. I do think... There's going to be some Samaje Piran. I like Piran. He's a good protector, good receiver. He's going to have a role. He's going to be a three-down back until Javante's back. So I, I really like Samaje Piran as a sleeper too. But yes, I think Javante, he's going at like 90 right now in underdog. If you have him even for a half a year, that's a complete and utter steal. Such a good talent. I think he's the type of guy that's built special and can just really recover well. Yeah, I, I saw that Deuce Vaughn, the Cowboys. And that was a great clip. Very heartwarming, very touching. Doesn't make me worried at all that he's going to get involved over Tony Pollard, though, Tunes. <laughs> I don't think you're saying that either. But uh, Will Swift finally realized what well, <laughs> I, I don't know, Tunes. And that's why I don't love and fully buy into him because I do think there's just not enough players that recognize, like Pacheco recognized hurt versus injured. He played through a torn labor. Like most people would call that injured. And he went through it and he gutted it out. You, imagine like being Clyde Hilaire and watching like your toe injury <laughs> as this guy guts out a torn labrum. I don't think Swift ever does have that that button click for me, unfortunately. <laughs> I have been. Yes, they're cloning me. <laughs> I love that comment. Uh, what's going on? Missed you too, Campanelli. Uh, <laughs> you already got the shirt colors there. Top 10. Yep, he's uh, seventh overall or seven running back seven for me. Uh, top 10 overall. He's definitely a first round, right in that first round range. But I think there's just so many good locked in receivers. And then there's running backs I just feel a little safer with. But he's just that talented. And the scheme is really good. My only concern is Arthur Smith has been an idiot with talent in the past. What if he's an idiot with talent and again? Great to see you too, Twin. Thanks for coming in. Torn ACL and still helping me carry my washing machine. <laughs> you know, Tunes, can't live an RSJ man behind. No doubt about it. Um, do you think you guys will be looking towards creating dynasty? Yeah, so Twin, I do have rookie rankings up on the website, rotarytjournal.com. Um, I did a rookie podcast last week, so you can check that out. I do have dynasty rankings. I haven't updated them in about a year. It's really hard for me to keep up with it. I'll, I'll do a set before the season, but it's just so hard in season for me to real-time update those dynasty rankings. Um, to be honest, I love dynasty fantasy football, but I would love – you know, a couple stud dynasty analysts to come in and take over our dynasty department or the guy, we have some really good guys in the league. I, I wish they would just step up and make more shit. <laughs> That's your call out. If any of our uh, guys are listening, get that stuff going. Stay at a hotel. I can tell you the name, but there are two trees involved. Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> are you at the double tree? Where, where are you at? <laughs> Woo, <not cool. laughs> Let me know where you're at. Tunes. If you're around, we should, we should link up. Um, my guys, love to see y'all again. Nice headphones. <laughs> can't wait to can't, could hear next year's stats with those things. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful, right? Try to get a little more professional over here. We're, we are. We're getting a lot of questions on the uh, recording space. So I'm over at, 
my man, Matty Sullivan, he runs Toro, an amazing um, digital agency, digital ad agency, great social media. They do so many great things. So you want social media stuff, check out Toro. Great spot. Um, they're, they're setting up a new recording space. So I came in to record a pod with them for their stuff. And then they said, you know, cool to hang out if I wanted to do my show here. And I love their mics. I love their setup. So I do want to get some better camera work and that stuff going this off season. So just kind of getting a feel for the land, see if this is the uh, a good recording home. Man, I love these guys um, for sure. Good to see you, 9-9. Thank you so much for tuning in. I haven't had a rookie pick for three years. The dude, oof, brutal. You got to get some of those picks back, my man. I'll do your, yeah, come on, Jeremiah. Do it, seriously. We'll take you. Send us some content. The two trees thing is from, oh, oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I, I'll let Truth uh, know your comment then, Tunes, because I was like, what the hell is Tunes saying? Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much. Got you know, 20 comments here for a random random Thursday in the offseason. Love to see it. Hey, let's go Celtics tonight. Thank you again, Wolfpack, so much. All our content is at rotostreetjournal.com. I'm at rotostreetwolf on Twitter. You can find me there to link up. Hit me with any of your questions, your comments, this big board. You heard me reference the rankings. You want to see how they shook out? It's all at rotostreetjournal.com, as are my rookie rankings, our rookie show last week. Definitely check that one out. We will continue to churn. We'll have a, a nice draft next week, me and the truth. We'll get nice and baked for you guys. Do a little baked best ball. We'll do my uh, hires and lowers so far in this early offseason as well. So, Keep it here. If you're new to, hit that sub button. Stick around. Be here for a while. All right, Wolfpack and a wolf of fancy sheep. Be the wolves. Later, guys.